thank you all. As Les uh, is uh, distributing those teaching sheets, I want to just say a word of apology. I, I noticed that some of you who I know usually access that door back there had to come through here, and it's because I forgot that Rick and Nancy were not here today. So normally I, um, not, not I miss them, but I'm just so used to them being here. Normally I unlock the doors that feed into the Sunday school classes and there, and then after that, Rick will take care of the, the Abrams door. We don't want to have those doors open when people are just in here, and, you know, we've had issues with that. So that's open before at a time when people need to, to come through. So I apologize for that. Next week when Rick's here, you can tell him how much you appreciate him, even though his favorite team lost yesterday. But that's not why they're not here. Okay, um, this, um, this year is one where we recognize the spirit of wisdom. And so many, many years ago, God put us as a church on a progression. And our, many of our network churches, we believe it's a progression of partnership with him and his seven spirits. Um, um, where, uh, where we are really, we embraced God's message for the saints and intercession. Um, and um, so every year we would honor a, a different dimension of God's spirit at the beginning of each new year. And we've done that now, I think, for over 20 years. And God has truly been faithful to send us into the nations in, uh, in a phenomenal and miraculous way. He has opened doors, and he has allowed us to go and teach people, uh, teach churches, teach prayer groups, teach individuals the things that God has given us as a meat from his spirit. And we are all very familiar with the way that God has opened doors. We have not tried to open doors. We have not tried to uh, to spread this message by any kind of man's uh, directive, but, but God has, has led us. And so um, this year, we're, we're really believing that his wisdom is going to guide us. And with that, I wanted us to share today, and I feel this is what the Spirit strongly put on my heart, um, the connection between grace and wisdom, and um, also the connection with, between the type of praying that is offered in grace and supplication in conjunction with what Solomon lived in, in the dedication of the temple where supplication and prayer was offered over and over again, and what God has told us uh, in the New Testament regarding supplication and prosuke. It's all the same thing. And I, I want to put forth right at the beginning of this message that I firmly believe that one of the main ways that God releases his wisdom in people 
in His saints is through our partnership in grace, our prayer in, in that measure of supplication, and what He reveals to us, whether it's through Tepila or whether it's through Prosuke, um, what He reveals to us. And that combination really generates wisdom. Now, God can come on someone with the spirit of wisdom, like He did in those that were constructing the temple and the tabernacle. We had a Sunday school class about that recently. And, um, you know, God can invest Himself into people that have to do certain tasks, and He gives them wisdom so that they will be able to ascertain what he's wanting and apply it. And I think, uh, you know, I did a lot of study about this. I'm trying to finish this book on, this next book on grace. <clears throat> and I did a lot of study about the, the definition of what wisdom is. And it's Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word chokhmah, and it, it really is this, the blending of the revealed will of God and the practical application of it in, the, in our natural world. Now, for us, we're living on this earth. Wisdom will exist when we're in heaven, and so we'll be applying it then in the places that God leads us to throughout creation. But wisdom really is the blending of the revealed will of God and the practical application of it. And so how you glean that is by partnering with God. That's why grace and wisdom are side by side in the progression of the seven spirits of God. That's why the Bible tells us that the enemy, out of, out of all the seven spirits, this is through the study of the Word, he does not, the enemy does not want to acknowledge the spirit of glory and of God, that indigo blue. And that's why you see the rainbow coalitions and all these other things. They eliminate that color because the enemy feels that he is that. He wants all the other framework, but he wants to fill that position. So the enemy wants, wants that. But also, the Bible tells us that he desires to turn, the enemy desires to turn judgment to wormwood. He wants to... He wants to bypass grace and wisdom. And, and why is that? Because those two are the ways that God's people partner with God. Out of all the depictions of the seven spirits in the Bible, out of all the depictions where you read the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, all of those things, the only one that has an intercessory capacity is grace and supplications. It's the only one. And so that's the only one wherein God welcomes his people to partner with him. You say, what about the spirit of truth? Well, that's the culmination. That's the Sabaoth. That's, that's the culmination of things. Those, those are sons that have partnered with God and that they are then looking forward to what God's wanting to do. That's not an inviting thing. You either have emerged into that progression of development which Paul and others so very specifically told about. You know, you're not babies, you are joint heirs, you're sons. You have to progress into that. It's not by works, but it's by relationship and the development of that. But of all of the seven spirits, the only one wherein God really makes himself vulnerable to people 
is that spirit of grace and supplication. And then with that, that leads right into wisdom. So as you're partnering with God in grace, as you're partnering with God in, in what he wants to do, what, what he wants to fulfill, how he wants to move, and you're praying in that way, then God gives you insights. Whether God gives you an insight in Tepila, or whether he gives it in Palau, whether he gives it in Prosuke, those things link the Old Testament and the New. And anyone praying in truly in partnership with the Spirit of Grace, if they're sensitive, will receive those knowings, those insights. And then from that, we make our declaration. From that, based on that, we make our, our petitions before God. We don't just willy-nilly go out and ask for anything we want. We, out of the abundance of the heart that is, that is focused on God, we speak forth what God has revealed. And that's a progression between the Old and the New Testament. So it's very clear to see how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because you begin in grace by absolutely being uh, possessed by the Spirit of God that his plan, Yahweh's plan, will be done. You commit your life to that. And you say, I'm not going to let anything else take precedence over that. I am a person of grace. I am consumed by this. I have given myself totally to God, submitted myself, as Hannah did, as Moses did, as so many others did in the Old Testament. And therefore, I'm listening to what he says, and that's how wisdom began. Wisdom began because we committed ourselves to the plan of Jehovah. And we said, Father, use me as your intercessor. Use me. I commit myself to bring new birth. I commit myself to bring a new horizon. And with everything that is in me, I want most of all not to fail that task. That is the fear of the Lord. And that's how wisdom begins. That's not what wisdom is. That's how it begins. And that beginning happens when you are partnering with God in grace. And then comes his revelation. And then comes that pursuit of what God wants to do. That's why, you know, another facet of this is the mercy seat. You know, Moses would go before God there to that ark that represented God's presence going forth against the darkness. And he would stand there as God's covenant partner. You know, Moses said when he was up on the top of the mountain, if I have found grace in thy sight, and then God said, yes, you have found grace in my ways. And Moses was that covenant partner of grace. And he would stand there before that ark in the presence of the cherubs and in the, in the, in the awesome atmosphere of the Most High God, and God would speak to him in mercy, the mercy seat, the chesed, where God would direct him. God would say, tell the people this, go this way, bring this about, teach them on this, give this instruction. That's wisdom. That wisdom for that ark in the presence of that covenant partner of grace was saying, go forth now or wait invade here or don't and that's wisdom it's so many 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 places and so i believe that we have been 
being trained over this past year in new ways of grace, new ways in grace. And God has been telling us over and over again things about how to process the revelatory capacities generated from grace and supplication. And then when you arrive at those, you then are equipped and empowered to represent God in wisdom and to hear Him in a further way. Because when you speak it forth, God honors that and whole new dimensions of insight come. So the enemy hates that. That's why he tries to eliminate. He tries to make people get aggravated, embittered, and false judgments, bitter root judgments, and bitterness then carries them all the way through some kind of prophetic declaration, some kind of a false prophecy. The enemy hates grace and wisdom. That's why the Lord says in his word, he wants to bypass that. The reason he hates it is number one, he hates God's plan for you. He hates God's love for you. He hates the prospect of you partnering with God. He's hated that from the beginning. Jesus said that the enemy was a man killer from the beginning. And I believe, and I think the scripture bears this out, that when God enunciated his plan for us, that's what the enemy used to allow iniquity and to allow rebellion to come. So the enemy hates that. That's point one. And secondly, he recognizes that when the people of God actually move in grace and gain wisdom, those are the keys that unlock the kingdom and Subsequently, then, when light comes into darkness, darkness cannot comprehend it, and the kingdom of the enemy becomes less and less as the days go by. So we have, we have entered into a deeper dimension of the partnership with grace than we've ever known. I'm grateful for that, and I know you are. God the Father is with us in a more pronounced way by his choosing than I can ever remember in this house. And I'm very, very thankful for that, Father. And, and I believe that His Spirit of grace is, has been a platform upon which now we are launching into this year of wisdom. And you think back over the past year and a half how God has over and over and over again led us in fresh understandings of grace fresh applications of grace, new ways in His Word to hear from God as we're offering supplication. God has just been generating this like a great wave of momentum. And, and you can feel the way that He is launching us. And I'm just amazed because He's already set in motion a divine appointments, so many of them, in, in our nation and in other nations throughout this year already. And I can't even imagine what's going to materialize as we go forward. Because God always does that. <laughs> the, the way that God adds things that we've never dreamed or thought or entered into our mind, that's what He said He'd do for them who loves Him. Isn't that right, Louise? And that's what God wants. And that's where we are. So I want us to look at a couple of things today. And the first is something we touched on, I think, back in March 
at our seminar in the days leading up to it. And it's a reminder of what Solomon um, did uh, and in his discussions before God um, at the dedication of the temple. Now, you remember, not too long ago, we shared a message called Proverbial Grace. And we talked about Solomon and how he went up to Gibeon and we studied grace in the book of Proverbs and um, how at Gibeon, which represented grace partnership with Moses, <clears throat> Solomon had a dream and he asked God for wisdom and God said, that's great. Because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give that to you. Uh, so you'll know how to go out and come in and lead this great people. But I'm also going to give you all these other things. So my question is, when the apex of Solomon's rulership, the dedication, the building and the dedication of the temple of the Lord, why in the world, when Solomon asked for wisdom, was the main topic of discussion about prayer and supplication? Over and over again. You have just 1 Kings', first Kings account, but you can also read this in the Chronicles. 1 Kings 8.38, what prayer to Pila and supplication so ever be made by any man or by all the people of Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart. Remember we talked about the plague of his own heart. And spread forth his hands toward this house. 8.45, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. 8.49, then hear thou their prayer and their supplication in heaven, in, thy, in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. 8.54, and it was so that when Solomon had been in, made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication unto the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. And the Lord said, 9.3, unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And one other thing I wanted to mention, the Bible says that when Solomon, uh, there's another passage in the word we're going to look at on the other page, when Solomon concluded his palau, which is the verb form of tefillah. When he concluded that, the fire of God fell from heaven on that day and consumed the sacrifice. That is an incredible thing. So Solomon asked for wisdom. Here he is in this temple, which was supposed to launch forth tabernacles. And what was the primary, by a long shot, discussion between him and God? Prayer and supplication being offered. Prayer and supplication being offered. And that prayer is that word tapila. Now, we've studied this before. I'm just going to remind you of it. That word means to make a judgment, to make an assessment. It can be used to appear before a judge or an arbiter. It can be spoken of to, to, to humble yourself, to prostrate yourself, before a ruler who's giving some kind of, a, of an edict. It can also mean that you are separating things. It can mean that you are waging or, or wielding a sword 
for the purpose of dividing or cutting away certain things. And I would put forth that all of those things in that word being uh, something to us when we come before God in, in supplication. We're humbling ourselves. We're bowing down. We are, we are submitting to his decrees. We are listening to them. We are being willing to be, have our hearts circumcised so that we're not stiff-necked and we're willing to embrace the sword of his word and the sword of his power to represent him in the way that he's called us to do. But it is a very precise thing. It is a very precise thing, and that's the word for tapila. I would say also, you bring that over in the New Testament, that's what prosuke is supposed to be. When we are praying in grace and in supplication, in diasis, we are listening to God, we're submitting to him, and we're emerging with what his assessment is, with what his mindset is. And we're declaring those things. We're asking those things. And it comes back to that other scripture that has so often been referenced. Command ye me concerning my sons and the, concerning the words of my hands, the work of my hands. That command is always a word in an authority structure, usually in the military. And so when God is your authority is saying, you go forth and you command on my behalf, it's not whatever you want to do. You are under, under orders. You have been commissioned. And if Denise were here, she'd be saying amen. When the general says something, the colonel, well, doesn't leave the office and say, well, you know, he says this, but I'm going to do what I want to do. That's been said here before. No, he says this is what the order is. <laughs> we need to remind Washington of that. This is what the leader has said. This is what my chain of command has said, and so I am commanding on that authority. That's what the name of Jesus is all about in our, in our usage. It's not just, oh, yeah, you know, I feel like I should do this. So in the name of Jesus, let that happen. We're not some warlock in the kingdom where we can just do whatever we want. We are under orders. We represent our Father. And we are, we are marching with the Prince of Peace. And so the words we receive as a result of supplication are very specific. They're very sharp. They're very clear. And that's what our declaration comes from. And that's what we say, not because we've got a, a bevy of scriptures we're flinging out there. No, it's what God has said. And that's what we share. And so this word, that is, that is the main topic of discussion between God and Solomon, both in the Kings and in the Chronicles, is, is a phenomenal insight for us. Yes, Solomon was being given wisdom, but what was the foundation upon that wisdom was going to be launched? Grace and supplication. That, those prayers that were revealed by God in that place. And I, and I love that. And so that's why... When Jesus came, uh, the law was no more. Grace and truth came through him. Grace and truth for all of us, that we might, each one of us, partner in grace and gain truth that reveals something that has been hidden, that has never been seen before. That's wisdom. And so that's why when Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sins and a redeeming to God,
God ripped that veil from top to bottom for the Holy of Holies now to be accessed by all of us who believe in Jesus. And that mercy seat, oh my goodness, the mercy of God, the wisdom of God, hallelujah, pouring out upon us. We need this. This is God's way. So just to, to say um, what I think we need to be expecting, and I know this is, some, this is some tall corn to be walking through, but we need to be expecting this because, again, this is God's way. I've listed for you on the back, the second page of this sheet, uh, a list. The list below provides reference to many of the ways this supplication understanding, palal, this is the verb form of tepila, was declared in power. So let, let's just say this again. This, this word that we're going to be looking at with all of these miraculous things by God's people, this is the active the active declaration of the product of supplication. Does that make sense? In other words, when this person is representing God and they're praying in partnership and God tells them, okay, this is what I want to do, when they emerge from that and they pray this, these things happen. Does that make sense? So this is for all of us. God is no respecter of persons. Let's look at them. I'm just going to reference them. I may dance a little bit on a couple of them. If I dance too much, Tammy will move to the organ and help me. All right, Genesis 20, verse 17. Abraham prayed for Abimelech and his family, and they were restored. There was a curse that came on them. You remember Abimelech. And um, God revealed to Abram what was going on and you know this story. And so Abram got a directive from God, and he prayed, Palau, and this earthly ruler was restored. Numbers 11.2, Moses prayed, and the fire of the Lord that was consuming the people was quenched. Numbers 21.7, Moses prayed, and the fiery serpents that were biting the people who murmured abated. These, these aren't really good illustrations. <laughs> Deuteronomy 9.26, Moses prayed, and the people of God were not destroyed by him. <laughs> we may need some of that in the days that come. Because, uh, you know, wherever grace is, sin abounds. Have you noticed that recently? And um, wherever, wherever grace is, there are a lot of bitter people hanging on the outskirts. And we may be asked by God to make a declaration from the stronghold of grace to cause those things to be abated. Just take note of that. In 1 Samuel 1, verses 10, 12, 26, 27, and chapter 2, verse 1, Hannah, meaning grace, prayed. And, of course, God gave her um, that precious little boy named Samuel. And he was, he was lent to the Lord. I'm not going to go off on this topic, but uh, when, he, when she brought him to, uh, 
to Eli, she talked three times about Lent. So you look that up and you'll remember a study we did on that. Um, it, was just, it has to do with Shaal. 1 Samuel 12, 23. Samuel did not sin by ceasing to pray for the people. One of the things that Samuel, as the prophet and seer, was continually doing was offering this kind of prayer to God for the people, as well he should. What was Samuel doing there? Samuel was transitioning the people from a, from a tribal identity. Um, I don't know whether the newspapers called it tribes' rights or whatever, and was forming them into a more kingdom-oriented people. And, um, you know, Samuel anointed Saul, Samuel anointed David, and Samuel really bridged the gap between uh, segmented identities of the people where in the days of the judges they were doing nothing but what was right in their own eyes into a kingdom. And so he prayed, and he did not sin by ceasing to pray. You mean you can, you can miss the mark by not praying? Well, obviously. So we need to keep praying. We need to make declaration from the heart of God, not from the heart of our mind, but from the heart of God as God reveals. We need to be declaring that. We need to intercede on behalf of that. You say, well, why would we need to intercede something that God said he was going to do? Well, isn't that what prayer is anyway? Oh, Lord, we come before you today because you've promised this. Well, God already said he was going to do it. Why are you asking him? You know? It's very interesting because God uses prayer in, in ways to endear us to himself, even in the things that we know God has already said he was going to do, even in ways that he's revealed it. I don't know how many times in, in this house and even in my own prayer time at home or somewhere else, wherever God leads us, where I've known God has said something and I've, I've, we've committed ourselves to it. And yet, we have to stand in the gap and declare that. Not out of fear, not out of doubt. So you can be real, you got to be real careful about that. God, I just don't understand. You said this, so what in the world are you doing? Or why are you not doing it? we got to be careful with that. There's a thin line between letting bitterness guide our supplication and letting faith and wisdom guide our supplication. We need to speak forth what God has said and stand on it. Yeah. It will probably be contested. Yeah, it will probably be resisted. Yes, the darkness will try to keep the light from coming. And that's why in John chapter 1, when John gave his version of the uh, nativity, he said, the light shined into the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness could not withstand it, indicating that there was a standing against. So we need to... We need to be really careful that we keep on pressing the issue with what God has said. 2 Kings 6, 17. Elisha prayed for the eyes of his servant, not Gehazi. He had been already taken care of. And he, or Gehazi, whichever way you want to say it. Um, and he saw this servant, saw chariots of fire around him. 
and it didn't mean there were a bunch of Scottish guys running, getting training for the Olympics. But he, he prayed. His servant was afraid because these, these soldiers had come to arrest Elisha. And Elisha prayed that the eyes of this guy would be open. And then not to be outdone, he prayed again, and the enemy soldiers were temporarily blinded. Isn't that weird? But it was this, it was this palal type of discussion which comes forth from tepilah, which comes forth in supplication. And, of course, there wouldn't be a good study in the Old Testament about our, without our friend Hezekiah. And there he is, 2 Kings 20, verse 2. Hezekiah prayed facing the wall, and God extended his life 15 years. That's interesting. Ezra 10, 1. When Ezra came back to Jerusalem, brought that group of people across the four days of travel, and God restored them, and, and when they got that temple uh, generated and functioning. Ezra prayed at the restored and rededicated temple in Jerusalem. That must have been an interesting time. Here he is offering up Palau at the, at the place that Solomon once stood and negotiated the laws of prayer and supplication with the Most High God. That's, that's interesting to me. It's really, God never forgets. It's a song Katie and Kelly were singing earlier about the promises that were given long before us. God still remembers them. Nehemiah, who was part of that second contingent coming back to Jerusalem, in Nehemiah 1.4, Nehemiah prayed, and he gained direction for his life and his mission. I tell you, friends, the anointment's so strong up here. It's just lightning on this microphone. If I was, if I, <laughs> bring me some prayer cloths. I'm going to touch this electrocuted mic to them. <laughs> send your best offering and we'll send you one. <laughs> well, I'd like to send an offering. I don't want to send my best one. Maybe I'll. Yeah, I'll send this lukewarm one. Well, you get a soggy hanky then. No, uh, watch out, Rooster. Keep her in line now, Beth. Okay. Job 42.10. Job prayed for his friends and was rewarded twice over for what he had lost. Psalm 106.30. Phinehas prayed and executed the judgment of God. Man, that's a story. Remember that? Phew! Covenant God made with him because the people were intermarried with all the ites in the land, and Phinehas gathered a, a spear and went and pierced through one of the representations of that, and God said, I like this guy. Now, I'm not advocating violence, but here in Psalm 106, it says that he did that because he prayed, he palaled, he understood that this is what God wanted. I think that's amazing. Jeremiah 7.16, Jeremiah was told by God not to pray for the people due to their sin. They were worshiping the queen of heaven, if you remember. Daniel 9.20, Daniel prayed while offering supplication, and Gabriel came. And Jonah 2.1, Jonah prayed and 
while he was in the belly of the great fish and was delivered. Isn't that something? Now, there's a derivative of that word, which was used by the angel that appeared to Manoah and his nameless wife. The Bible doesn't name her, the, the parents of, of Samson. It's interesting. I wonder if she really had a name. He just said, woman? <laughs> anyway, the angel appears, and Manoah says, wait, 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 wait. We want to go and get some food. We'll come back here and make it for you. It's a really weird story. And he finally asks, what, what's, your, what's your name, angel? Not only does my wife not have a name, but what's your name? And the angel said, why are you asking me this, seeing that my name is secret, and there it is a really unusual unusual version of Palau. It's Pele, which, which means, you know, means something miraculous or something that is the result of a dynamic touch of the power of God. And that went into why the uh, young man who grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil, great, one of the greatest soccer players in the world, named Pele. He wasn't born with that name. He took that name because even in Portuguese, that meant something that was phenomenal, something that was hard to describe, but yet something that delivers. So that's the kind of insight that God is wanting us as his saints, as those who pray in supplication, those who partner with God, those that give ourselves to, to see what God's plan is, See God's plan revealed in a way that he wants it to be revealed. And then God gives insight, and then we act upon that insight in our declaration, in our ongoing proclamations and, and our intercessions. And we are, we are then going to see these kinds of breakthroughs. Now, I could have grouped these. Maybe I should have um, where, you know, Prayer for rebellious people, prayer not for rebellious people, prayer against enemies, prayer against, uh, <laughs> prayer for blessing. Pray, you know, I could have done that, but I think it's just best to see the litany of Scripture. I don't know, maybe we'll group them sometime. But the point is that we just need to remember that um, God, this is God's way. We come through this year of wisdom, yes, all the things that we've learned, how precious they are through the study of his word about wisdom. And seven spirit, one of the seven spirits, one of the dimensions of taking the light into the darkness, one of the ways that we uh, gain skill and we gain capacity to do things that we never thought we could do. All of those things are wonderful, but in conjunction with them, for our purposes in this year of wisdom, we are going to have to become those types of prophets, those kinds of apostles, those kinds of uh, teachers and evangelists and pastors, those kinds of intercessors that can hear from God and say what he wants. Now, I want to say one other thing, though. You know, very often the people in the Old Testament, we studied this when we were studying about the names of God, they would come to see the man of Elohim, the man of God, because they knew that that individual was close to the heart of God, and that was the essence. And um, 
there are some times where, you know, you, you just, people will come to you and I, I don't mind telling you sometimes, I know this is a bad thing for a pastor to say, you know, you're so focused on knowing um, what God's saying to do on behalf of the throne and sometimes people think that you're like the Wizard of Oz and you can just give them an answer for whatever they are in. And sometimes God does not speak because he's wanting to cultivate that type of relationship with those people themselves. And so just because God is moving with you in this way doesn't mean that any person that comes up to you, like Zoltar, you know, you can give them an answer. Like the magic eight ball, you know. Oh, let's go and ask uh, Sandra. Sandra, should I do this? Well, I don't know. Let me see. Maybe that's always a good answer. But just because just because God's giving you directives and you're close to God doesn't mean you have an answer for everybody. And that's God's plan. You know, He wants every person to know Him in this way. And sometimes people are asking for things that you know, they want somebody else to do their homework for them. And um, we, we just can't do that. Now, we can give wise counsel. Don't get me wrong. It's not, I mean, you turn a deaf ear to people. But it, it, and, and I think it's another way that God keeps us, keeps us humble and in balance. In balance, not imbalanced, but in balance. Because if we had, if we were the word from God on every little thing, then why would we need God? You know what I mean? So, um, anyway, I threw that in there, and I probably shouldn't because that's the only thing some of you are thinking about now. But the point is that in this year of wisdom, God has been preparing us for the past many, many months with the discussions about supplication and what his word says over and over again is a revelatory release from supplication. God has been paving that foundation and setting us up through the study of his word for that. But now I know that as we're transitioning, grace always sets the stage for wisdom. And so we've got to set our focus and our understanding to know this is part of the dimension of what wisdom is, and it is very sharp. It's an assessor. It's a judge. It's those kinds of declarations that come straight from the heart and the plan of God, and I believe very strongly that we need to, we need to know, first of all, see this in the Word. And I don't know how you can't see this in the Word after we've just gone through, what, 20 examples? I mean, this is what God wants. This is what He does. And if He did this in the Old Testament, how much more, since grace and truth are come and we're at the throne of God as sons, how much more should we be functioning in this? Amen? Now, there's another thing, too, while I'm preaching, while I have this electrocuted mic. I like your sweater, Rachel. You and I could go dancing later. We're both in yellow. Well, this is actually gold. You know, what about the needs in your own life? 
And one of the anomalies of God is that we could be getting these words for nations. We can be getting directives from Him from the throne. And there are issues in your own life that you just want, you're baffled by. How is that? You know, I don't question God, and I don't complain, but there are some things right now as I, I'm having, I'm having the privilege, just as you are, meeting with the Father and having Him speak powerful things and giving vision and giving direction and giving insight. These things are happening, but then there are things in my own life that I'm thinking, Lord, I just don't understand that. I don't get it. And here's your answer for that. Don't get aggravated with God or don't go down the trail that the enemy would want you to go down where he says, well, you know, you must not really be hearing from God. Pfft, look at you. You can't even give an answer here. You can't explain this. Why is this happening? If you're such a son, if you're such a saint, well, the Bible says that we should seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. seems I read that somewhere. And God has promised to take care of us, and we need to just keep pressing forward doing his work and let him provide. That's just the way it is. I've testified a number of times, and, and as you could, in this house, as we sought after the Lord and we had pressing needs, pressing issues, and it would be exasperating for me as the leader to try to explain to congregation members why we're battling this thing when we're at the throne and Gabriel is ministering and, and you know, we're there and then, you know, you, you come down off that mountain and you think, well, what, this is a mess. What is that? And haven't we seen God work his most powerful miracles in ways none of us were expecting, in ways none of us foresaw, just things that God did, and the end result was better than anything we could have asked for. We lack nothing. We're blessed. God is in control. And so there are just some ways in walking with God that he reserves the privilege of being God and he provides. You know, some of the things that I would, I, I'm, boy, I'm just, maybe I should just stop and go dancing. You know, the, the, some of the things that irritated me <laughs> it personally, I, I could look back just not about people, but I could look back and I could see, you used that God to take me into a place I would have never been in. And it reminds me what the Apostle Paul said. You know, I was receiving wisdom and mysteries and revelations, and there was given that I, that I not be exalted above measure. There was given a messenger of Satan to buffet me, and I sought the Lord thrice about that. And God said, my grace is sufficient. And then Paul said, I have learned, therefore, to glory in my points of weakness. 
that the power of God might be manifested in me. Now, what did Paul not say? You know, when I spoke the right words, bless God, that enemy fled and hollered as he ran. And everything that I wanted was just immediately there. That's not what Paul said. He said, when I'm standing in grace and there is a surrounding of grace around me, an encampment of grace around me, I've learned in that atmosphere when it seems like I have weakness to take more stock in the grace that I'm moving in in God knowing that He's going to provide. And He's going to turn that thing in His timing, in His wisdom, into a point of strength beyond anything I could have ever done. That's what Paul said. And guess what? I could give you lots of other illustrations of that. I just wrote a whole chapter on it. But that's the way God moves. Lest we be exalted above measure with all of our swords, with all of our mantles, with all of our understandings of pneumatikos principles, with all the places we've been privileged to speak and write, with all of the visitations of the angelic, with all the ways God has provided, God has blessed us. Yet and still, God says, trust me. I'm going to add to you everything you need. Be not afraid. As Les has taught on a number of times, fear not. This is what God wants. And so we go forward in this year and we proclaim over at the onset of this year, as so many of you did yesterday in your first Saturday words, that we are partnering with our Heavenly Father. We're moving forth as partners in grace. We are offering our supplications through diversities of tongues and through fastings and through so many other ways that God would direct. We're offering that to Him. And He is going to not only give us all of the blessings of walking in His wisdom as we represent Him, but particularly, He's going to sharpen our ability to hear from Him and to proclaim what He says and the subsequent release of provision and miracles is going to be for His glory. And that's what we need. That's what we must have. And so I declare that over us. And I just, again, I'm ending with this. That you look at the progressions. You have this tapila and supplication. And then you have that measure of of his diasis and prosuke, the way those are used in, in the Old Testament in, in the, into the New. And uh, you see that this is God's way. This is God's plan. It's undeniably. I mean, it's, there's so much of it that you just can't miss it, even if you don't want to see it. It's there. And so we have been led into this understanding that I have to just say God has opened for us because I was in church all my life. I studied to be in the ministry, went into seminary after that study and, and uh, pastored here. And I never saw these things. But God is revealing them from His Word, and that's the important thing to us. And so we've got to press. 
I think part of part of our assignment as a communication center is to, in grace, receive these kinds of insights from God, and then in wisdom go forth to teach them and make disciples throughout the world. And, and in doing that, we are invading the darkness of either ignorance of God's Word or uh, the darkness of um, people that have been waiting and praying and this is God's answer. Part of our wisdom in breakthrough is being able to take this kind of thing that's not been known, that's been revealed, it's been hidden, but it's been revealed, and sow it into people that will then take the light. So we, we cannot just think of wisdom as invading a new nation. We've got so many nations, we're praying God for wisdom as to how to help them all. It's not just going into nations, it's, it's that penetration into the spirit realm and, and discerning the heart of God, what his concepts are, and if they're not being taught, firm them up, being rooted and grounded in the word, and take them where God calls you to go. That's, that's wisdom. That's wisdom personified. It just is. So I speak this forth over all of you. And tonight when we return for a prayer time on this Parats night, we're going to be talking about how God might speak to us for this new year and what types of declaration he may want you to make. Now, I'm not going to ask you to write them down and give them to us for us to make. I mean, you, you, you know, you are powerful before God. And it's, it's, it's all of us as sons. And so we'll talk about that more tonight. But Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. Help us to understand this more and more and help us to apply it so that we might be those citizens of heaven that you want us to be on earth. I speak your, your amazing blessing over the people of this congregation. I thank you, Father, for their willingness to endure what it's taken for them to come to this point. I pray, Lord, that in this year, you would pour out blessings upon them that will astound them. Encourage their hearts. Those who perhaps have been worn down by certain things they've not understood, but yet they've remained faithful, I pray that you will intervene. And it's what the verse that uh, we referenced these past couple of weeks, it was referenced again today powerfully in Sunday school. As Peter said, the God of all grace, after you have suffered a little while, let you be put into a progression of four, of strengthening and being established. Lord, it's time for some of these things some of these sufferings to be lifted because the, the tenure of grace has brought them to a point of breakthrough. I release that to your people now. And <clears throat> use us.
Use our Saints Network family. Use these churches and these prayer groups, these people, both in this nation and the other nations of the world. Visit them and move upon them and within them. Bless them in this new year. And may we be your people. And may you be our God. And um, that's the way we, we must have it. We love you, Father. We bless this new year. And we thank you for the privilege of living in it. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.